it's it's always a bad look for me. Like, especially if you nap like really hard. I always like I have trouble napping before I have something to do because then even if I set like a timer that in my heart I know is gonna go off, there's still that part of my brain that's like, feels like we've been asleep for too long. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have you gonna check. <laughs> I have the exact opposite where like I my I instinctually trust my alarms, but at the same time I'm like, how much time do I have left to sleep? How much nap time do I have? What time is it? How much longer before this alarm goes off? Is nap time gonna be over? I don't want nap time to be over. And so on. So yeah, it's been like a weird energy today, just like trying to work and be tired and hot. But but we're gonna talk about a horse. We are. Um, it's afternoonified. It's a it's mini. It's afternoonified. It's an afternoonified mini, and um, apparently now we are doing a series on famous horses, and this is uh, installment two. How many before it becomes a series? Um, I've decided it's two. All right, two is two a is enough to make a series. Or I don't know. Maybe I'll never talk about horses again. It'll and it will just be the famous horse duology. Well, yeah, because like it could just be. <laughs> Part one and part two, like, um, I literally can't Kill think Bill. of a- Yeah, like, Kill Bill. I was trying to think of a movie that, like, they hadn't made more than was necessary. Um, or it could be a trilogy. It could be Lord of the Rings. I think four is a series. Cause, like, I don't know if I can think of four famous horses. I can think of Seabiscuit. So um, that would get us to three. Uh, 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 okay, so there's Dan Patch. There's the, the one we're talking about today. There's Seabiscuit. Mm-hmm. And then there's two Phils, uh, who was in the Kentucky Derby this year, if I'm not mistaken. That seems a little too recent to be like Secretariat. Secretariat, yes. They had a movie. I think there was also like a really famous like Irish horse. There's a mystery about it. I'm I just Googled famous horses. Uh, Secretariat <laughs> Seabiscuit Bucephalus, who was apparently Ooh. Alexander the Great's favorite horse. Um, Man o' War. Which is like a pre-Sea Biscuit. Oh, there's a whole Smithsonian article about famous horses. Oh, well, there you go. We'll just make our way through the famous horse list from Smithsonian. List of historical horses. So, yeah. Noted. Well, today's famous horse uh, is going to be Clever Hans, the horse who could do math. I'm concerned that we're going to get into this episode. I'm going to find out that there's a horse that's better at math than I am. I am absolutely going to quiz you because there are actual math questions in this mini. Uh, and I'm going to make you answer before the horse answers. Um, <laughs> there was a famous horse called Bend Orr. Of course there was. There are pun names. Yeah, I've noticed because like someone I went to high school with like raises show horses and like should be like, this is Buddy, but his name is actually Cocktails After Sunset in Cabo. What the fuck? I think I've read that something to do with whatever, whatever, like, governing body governs over <laughs> horse races. Like, no two horses can have the same name. That that actually like, is the case. ever. Yeah. Which is why they all have, like, weird names. It's also the case with, I believe, the American Kennel Club, where, like, show dogs can't, like, they have to have individual names, which has resulted in my sister owning a golden retriever called, like something's pink Cadillac <laughs> and then her sister something's purple Corvette. That's cute. I'm assuming and, they have like nicknames. Yes, they have like civilian names. <laughs> civilian names. That's like their Mormon name. Yeah, there you go. 
Their baptism or no, their uh, confirmation name. Yeah, I mean, we just call them like Paisley, Ella, and Mavis, but like they have show dog names, right? Which I don't think so they funny. announce. Like, I think they just say the 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 Mormon name at like dog shows and stuff, right? So yeah, it's just there for paperwork. It's weird. Professional shit is weird, but Hans can do math. You say Hans can do math. Uh, so clever Hans was a horse belonging to a man named Wilhelm von Austin. Uh, who lived in Germany at the turn of the 20th century. His day job was math teacher, which will be relevant. Um, but Von Austin also considered himself a lifelong student and was especially inter- interested in uh, fields of studies such as, like, phrenology. Uh, Fr- phrenology is um, the head stuff? It, it, yeah, it is studying the size and shape of the human skull to, to determine intelligence and other traits. Which isn't a thing. It is not a thing. It is not real. Also, it's very racist, as most things in the 19th, early 20th century current day are. (laughs) Yeah, imagine my fucking surprise when I found out that Helen Keller, like, supported eugenics. Oh, yeah. Everyone supported eugenics. It was a whole... That's kind of where I arrived. (laughs) Because, like, I was reading her Wikipedia article, because, like, I was bored. I was like, man, this is an incredible woman. Like, she... She wasn't racist, and, like, she supported... She was very socialist. Yes. Fine. That's fine. And then I got to... Keller was a supporter of eugenics. Like, god damn it! Let me have one! It was just, like, it was the hot new thing at that time. Yeah. Everyone was into eugenics. I'm not... I just say, I do not mean to dismiss, like, the horrors of eugenics, but, like, people really liked eugenics. (laughs) So, uh, so... In particular, Von Austin wanted to prove the principles of phrenology could apply to animals as well. Uh, His first experiments were with a cat and a bear, neither of which I imagine were very cooperative subjects. That is a big start. Like, maybe a cat and a dog, my man. I I actually find the cat funnier than the bear because trying to teach a cat anything. (laughs) Like a bear, sure, cats don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, eventually, Von Austin made the acquaintance of a horse named Hans. Um, there's not a lot of immediate information available as to how Von Austin acquired Hans or how he figured any of this out that like he could do this. Um, but Von Austin soon discovered that Hans could count. I have less questions about how this man acquired a horse than about oh, how he acquired a bear, but continue. <laughs> This is fair. Uh, So specifically, Hans could count by tapping out numbers with one of his front hooves. So in 1891, Von Austin began to exhibit Hans throughout Germany, showcasing his many talents. Uh, He would ask Hans a series of questions, and Hans would answer correctly, um, either by nodding or shaking his head for yes or no, or tapping his foot to indicate like different numbers or letters. So like, yeah. However many times he count, he taps, that's the number. In the cinematic version of this, I'm picturing, like, it's it's late one night in the stable. What's-his-face is just, like, at the end of his rope. He's like, I need to figure something out or else everyone's going to think I'm crazy. And then he makes some <laughs> offhanded comment, like, I wonder how many bags of hay I have left. And then he just hears from the... <laughs> tap, 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 tap. tap. <laughs> 
that's in the movie we're going to write about Clever Hans. That's definitely how it's going to happen. Surprise! There isn't already a movie about Clever Hans. <laughs> I'm sure there is somewhere. So not only could Hans count, he could solve basic math problems and even had a grasp on fractions. Oh God, the horse is smarter than I am. <laughs> so Von Austin would ask, "How much is two fifths plus one half?" Fuck. Okay, give me a second. This took me a minute too. So, like, I'm—I promise I'm not making fun of you. Okay. I'm also no. I'm going to solve this before the fucking horse. Okay, just get a post-it. Um. Okay, and then that is no. Uh, uh, it's nine tenths. You are correct. And so was Hans. Uh, he would give nine taps followed by another ten to indicate nine tenths. How did he delineate where the? <laughs> you know what? I'm assuming just like a pause. I don't know. I assume like Morse code rules. Scrape his hoof along the ground <laughs> to do the fraction. Like tap, 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 whoop, tap, 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 tap. Uh, so when asked when the square root of 16 was, uh, or sorry, what the square root was, not when the square root was, that's very conceptual. Uh, Hans would correctly answer with how many taps? The square root of 16? Four? Correct. Oh, God. I, I don't know. I'm being really like, I literally started clapping and being very condescending. No, it's fine. I actually <laughs> was very unsure as to what a square root was. Um, I know, like, I knew at one point, but it does not come up. No, like, this is not something you actively have to use in your day to day life. I get it. I completely get it. Hans apparently did use square roots in his everyday life because he came up with those answers pretty quick, I guess. So, um, I mean, it's his job. Von Austin could even give uh, give Hans these cleverly worded questions, such as, um, "I have a number in mind. If I subtract nine and have three as a remainder, what is the number that I had in mind?" Twelve. Correct. Hans would give twelve hoof taps. The fucking horse is doing algebra. <laughs> yes. So he could also spell out words and names of people by tapping his foot. So like one tap for A, two taps for B, uh, which sounds incredibly tedious, but it is a horse spelling. So that's pretty cool. Um, He could also... How do you keep track? Like Lots of patient counting, I guess. I guess he's a math teacher. Like Yeah. Yeah. Hans could also distinguish between different musical tones. He had an excellent memory uh, and even had a grasp on the human concept of time. So if you asked him, if the eighth day of the month comes on a Tuesday, what is the date for the following Friday? And he would give the correct answer, which is... Okay, so the eighth day of the month is on a Tuesday? Yes. So Friday would then be... Give me a second. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the 11th? Correct. I would have to have counted this out on my fingers and did. I have a piece of paper and a pen. <laughs> uh, that is also the last math question. So you can you can take a breath. Good. And relax. No more quizzes. <laughs> I work in accounting. <laughs> I mean, you. to be fair, you did better on the math quiz than I did on capybaras. So Slight there's something to be said. <laughs> I You didn't go to capybara school. <laughs> Oh, I wish I could go to Capybara school. Oh, yeah, I'd absolutely go to Capybara school. Uh, as you would expect, Hans was of great interest to many psychologists and zoologists. Um, there hadn't been many studies on animal cognition at this point. Uh, the, the general consensus was they were incapable of exhibiting anything resembling human intelligence. Yeah, that sounds like something humans would come up with. Yeah. 
1904, the German Board of Education appointed a commission to investigate Hans in von Austen's claims about his abilities. The panel consisted of 13 people, including a veterinarian, circus manager, cavalry officer, uh, a number of school teachers, and the director of the Berlin Zoological Gardens. Though they studied Hans... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, the Berlin Zoological Garden sounds like a very fun place to go. I bet. I would like to go there. Uh, Though they studied Hans closely, the commission could find no evidence that von Austin was committing any sort of fraud. He didn't appear to be, like, using any sort of, like, hand gestures or any tricks, like, that would secretly feed Hans the correct answers. Well, no, it's a fucking horse! (laughs) It's not a spiritualist! Like, Uh, the investigation was then passed to Oscar Funkst, uh, who was a psychologist at the University of Berlin. Funk's suspicion was that even if Von Austin was not intentionally prompting Hans with the correct answers, there could be some accidental communication happening. So to test this, he evaluated Hans under a number of different scenarios. So he would isolate Hans from the questioner and the questioner from spectators. So like there's nothing coming from the audience, no external stimuli there. Uh, He also tested Hans using questioners other than Von Austin. Uh, in some cases, he put blinders on Hans to prevent him from seeing Von Austin or whoever was questioning him. Uh, and then also, and very importantly, he started varying whether the questioner knew the answers to the questions they were asking. So, <sighs> while Hans did well, even when separated from Von Austin, like it didn't matter who the questioner was, this was about the only condition where he performed as well as he usually did. Uh, so when Van Austin was just simply asked to step farther away from Hans when he quizzed him, Hans performed worse than usual. And the farther away Van Austin stood, the fewer problems Hans would solve correctly. It, it's still a horse. Like, <laughs> it's still impressive that he's, like, reading cues and answering the question. Uh, so then Funks asked, asked Von Austin to present Hans with a series of questions that Von Austin himself didn't know the answer to. Hans did not get a single one of them right. So, Funks then turned. Yes? I don't know what that means. Like, I'm trying to figure out the implications. We'll get there. Uh, so Funks then turned his attention to the behavior of the questioners. He observed that as Hans Taps approached the correct answer, whoever was quizzing him demonstrated these very, very small subconscious changes in their like posture and their facial expression, consistent with an increase in tension. Then when the correct answer was reached, the tension was released and Hans knew to stop tapping. So they'd like be sitting there waiting and like quietly counting is he going to get it right? Is he going to say the right number? And then when he says the right number, they relax. And the horse is like, oh, okay, I can stop tapping. I don't okay. know why I'm tapping, but I'm... So... I was say, this is the thing. It's still really cool that Hans was able to pick up on these subtle cues. Th- it just doesn't mean he could do algebra. That's the thing. Like, maybe the horse isn't better at math than I am, but he's definitely better at reading the room. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's a very perceptive horse. So he's socially intelligent. Yeah. And like, I, I like I say, I would love to know more about like the early days and how like Avon Austin like figured out that this was a thing. Like curious as to like what the horse was trying to do with the taps. I think it was probably just he got treats when he tapped. I don't know. Whatever the case. Like, yeah, it's pretty like cool. I said, still very cool. He just couldn't do math. 
Uh, so once Funks became aware of these cues, he carried out further tests in which he played the part of the horse. So he'd ask the questioner to like pick a number, concentrate on it, and then he would correctly tap out the number that they were thinking of solely by observing their body language. So like it was... That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so even when the questioners knew that like Funks was looking for these clues, it seemed that they were unable to suppress them. Like they just... Like, they could try and control themselves and control their demeanor, and they couldn't, because it was that, like, subconscious. Is the implication just that Germans are, like, bad at poker? Yes. <laughs> that's, if you're, that's your one takeaway from this episode. That's my takeaway, is that Germans are bad at poker. <laughs> this effect that Funks discovered has been dubbed delightfully the Clever Hans phenomenon, and it's been observed in humans as well as animals. Um <laughs> This has become especially relevant um, in the structure of like how you structure behavioral study of both animals and humans. So many studies in the fields of like perception, cognitive psychology, social psychology, they are ran as double blind studies where information about the experiments are withheld from both the subjects and the researchers conducting them to prevent any contamination for the res- in- to the results. So the researchers don't know what they're measuring for when they're like asking questions or something. So they aren't giving off these cues to the people okay. answering the questions. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a great takeaway. Yeah. You can also see the Clever Hans effect in practice with drug sniffing dogs. Uh, so a study at the University of California, Davis, found that handlers can tr- transmit subtle cues to their dogs that results in false, false po- positives. So maybe Clever Hans was a fraud, but at least he wasn't an ARC. <laughs> Um, yeah, they had the drug sniffing dog out at the Portland airport last time I was there. And like, it was early in the morning, first of all, please remember this. So like, we go through, we walk past the dog, and then they were like, all right, you don't have to take like your shoes and stuff off. And like, in my brain, I'm like, did the dog just like, search my carry on? Unrelated. The two things were unrelated. Like the dog (laughs) made sure I didn't have a bomb. And then like, they just didn't need to check like my shoes. (laughs) I was like, damn, these dogs are, like, incredible. Wow, that was fast. (laughs) I just had to, like, walk by the dog. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, So there is a slight epilogue. So Von Austin, who never once doubted Clever Hans' intelligence, refused to accept Funk's findings uh, and continued to exhibit Hans across Germany, still attracting large and enthusiastic crowds wherever he went. I thought it still was a cool, fun show. Yeah. I'd go see him. I don't give a shit how the horse knows how many to count. <laughs> uh, when Van Austin was killed in 1909, or when Van Austin died in 1909, Hans was acquired by a few different owners, but his final fate is unclear. It is believed by some that he was drafted as a military military horse at the beginning of World War One and was killed in action in 1916. I was so worried that the story was going to end with clever Hans being a Nazi. <laughs> little early for that thank god i don't know how long horses live i i don't know either not that long especially uh if there's a world war before that one. Oh uh, yeah yeah so what the world war was in what like 1912 1914 to 1918 okay so yeah he would have been a very old horse if he had been in world yeah. war Two. yeah and like i said he was they were doing shows as early as like 1891 and i don't even know how old clever hans was when fun austin got him so he could have been old already how old can horses (laughs) be (laughs) i feel like that's not the way that i should have phrased that question uh what is the lifespan of a horse would probably be the more um how long do horses live yeah yeah 
<laughs> but no, how old can horses be is where I landed. Um, 25 to 30 years. However, in rare okay. cases, domestic horses have lived into their 50s or 60s. That's impressive. Donkeys can live to be 40 years old. I feel like bigger animals tend to live longer. Just generally. I mean, have you seen a small dog? Those things will outlast a nuclear apocalypse. That's true. I see. I feel like it's the opposite in dogs. We're like, bigger dogs don't have quite as long lifespans, but small dogs will live forever. Uh, well, that's because the small dogs run on pure spite. I've, I've met yes. my dad's chihuahuas before. Like, <laughs> well, that was fascinating. Like, yeah. Good for Hans. Clever Hans was a cool horse. Oh, um, I almost forgot to send my sources. Uh, Wikipedia, Encyclopedia Britannica, History Daily, uh, and Amusing Planet. Thank you all. Well, that's a lot of sources for, for a mini. Uh, I, I like to mix it up. Variety. Yeah, get some variety in there. What was I going to say? It was a piece of... of, of, of oh, um, no, it was just about the business daddy mug that I haven't finished yet. I found the succession I mean, font. if you... S- if you say it in uh, the episode, then you have to get it ready in time. Open up Canva at some point and look at what I have for the design so far, and we'll workshop it. Uh, I'm doing so right now. I <laughs> uh, hate it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is As Above, So Below.